So today we get to continue our Hope in Psalms series. And today I'm preaching the third sermon in Hope in Psalms, and we're going through Psalm 27. What I really want to do, and what we're going to focus the end of this message, is on a way to boost your prayer life. And Psalm 27 gives us this glorious way to, uh, to see a formula in which we can boost our prayer life, something that we can actually take home and say, this allows me my general prayers that can be expressed to God in my own words. And uh, I really love Psalm 27. I'm picking, I, I mentioned to, uh, to somebody that I'm picking all the easy Psalms. And what I mean by that is I'm picking the Psalms that in my childhood I was forced to memorize and they've been so foundational. And it's not because, you know, oh, well, it's about me and I'm, I'm picking these ones. It's because these Psalms are ones that have become uh, foundations for people, that, that they've really helped explain a lot of the other Psalms. And so we really get to see um, the, the glory of them and, and, we're, and we're able to walk through them. So Psalm 27 is a longer one. It's 14 verses, but it flows so well. So uh, I'm going to pray and then we're going to read the Psalm. God, hear our cry today. There are things in our life that aren't perfect. There are pressures that we feel. There's stuff that's going on in our life. And today we ask you to hear our cry. What is on our hearts we bring to you because you are able to handle it. Your shoulders are strong enough. You have not let us down and you have drawn us through countless of things in our life before and in the lives of those who we talk to who share testimony of your glory. And so we come to you with our needs and our basic wants and desires and complaints and we throw them to you today. And we say, God, please do something. Work in this. Change this situation to make it better. We have no other hope. We have no other way. You are our resort. You resource. You are the one who we come to. You are the one who we look to. And so we call out to you. We ask you to, to look at us if there's anything within us that we need to change. Give us wisdom and insight. We will look to you in every single way. And so as we go through this psalm today, I pray that you would allow us to hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. See, so many times people have said that prayer is a conversation. You know, it's a two-way thing. And sometimes what we actually get is we find that as we pray, we also speak truth. We bring our supplication and then we speak truth to it. And as if we have a fine ear, we'll actually notice that even in what feels like a one-way conversation, the truths of God are speaking through your own prayer. And I think we're going to find that here in Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? When the evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it's they who stumble and fall. 
Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise up against me, yet I will be confident. The one thing I've asked of the Lord, that I will seek after. That I can dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. To inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock and nail my head will be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, I do seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me and they breathe out violence. I believe that I will look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Wow, this psalm is so full of passion and so full of just a heart's cry pushing out to God. You know, it starts with a general statement of truth. And there's a, there's a spiritual discipline, and I don't think that we've ever introduced it at Promise Church yet, but it's called breath prayers. And breath prayers are really interesting. They are repeated statements about God that are true and that can be stated in one breath. So in this psalm, we actually see a couple, but a couple of examples that we could see is, your steadfast love never fails. And the way the breath prayer works is, is you actually just, you take that, sen that sentence, and we talked about you know, meditating on, on the law of the Lord day and night. You take a sentence like that, your steadfast love never fails and you pin it somewhere, in your desktop, or in a mirror, or in your car, and you repeat it. Your steadfast love never fails. Your steadfast love never fails. And then after a time, you know, you stop repeating it, and then later on in the day, you come back and you repeat it again. Your steadfast love never fails. And it's a breath prayer, and it's a simple statement of truth. Another one would be, my Lord and my God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. You just get into the cadence of it. My Lord and my God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. And you repeat it. You know, another one is, praise be the name of the Lord forever. Um, or the one we find in Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is my light and my salvation. 
And I mean, when you want to remind yourself in the mess of the situation, think about this. You're in a conversation with your boss that's starting to get tense and you're starting to realize like, I'm, I'm going to just say something. I'm going to get angry or he's getting angry or she's getting angry. And, and the tension in the room is mounting. A breath bear happens under your breath and you just go, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the light, my, my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? And you just, you, you set these breath prayers in your heart so they come out at times that you need tension released, that you need, that you need a truth spoken, that you need hope given, that you need a reality spoken into the situation. And you use these breath prayers as a way to anchor yourself and hitch your hope on God who is eternal, who transcends your current situation. I love these breath prayers. And you know, I, I'd encourage you, take one. Take them out of Psalms. There's so many in Psalms. You could open up almost anywhere in Psalms. And, and, you know, right here in Psalm 27, cast me not off, forsake me not, O God of my salvation. Cast me not off. Like, wow, there's something there. It's just so, like, simple and, and yet complex. And they're just, a, it's a beautiful practice. Okay, so we're going to go through this psalm, and, uh, and it breaks apart into a few different sections. We're going to look at them, and we're going to see how we can adapt Psalm 27 to be what I call a heart's cry. This type of prayer is so helpful, where, where you get this heart's cry towards God that maybe we don't naturally express just in our normal, you know, routine of maybe you say grace at, at a meal or maybe you say, you say prayers before you go to bed or, you know, we've got our normal prayers that are usually, as I mentioned before, self-centered around, you know, me, myself, my family, my friends. And, uh, and this one allows us to dig into a layer of our own spiritual life that we don't normally touch. And for those of us that do dig in and do touch this, we find there's a whole other opening of what God can do, of connectivity with God that really transforms our hope and our life and makes faith come to life. We get right into the heart of our prayer, right into the heart of our situation. And the way the psalmist does it is, is brilliant. So, Verse 1 is this breath prayer. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? He's setting the stage, saying, here is what I've got. The truth that I'm anchoring everything else on is the Lord is my light and salvation. Therefore, I don't need to be afraid. And the Lord is the stronghold of my life. And so there's no fear about what's happening in my current situation because God is where I place my hope. Verse 2 and 3 portrays the vision we have of our problems when God is involved in them. This is wonderful. I mean, sometimes we like to just think about our problems and we go, we just tell God our problems, but this gives us a different motif. This says, think about... What happens if God were to be involved in solving the problem? What would that look like? Well, to David, his problems had to do with physical enemies that were, you know, encroaching. And he, he imagines it like this. When the evil doers assail me to eat up my flesh, 
my adversaries and foes, it's they who stumble and fall. I love it. I love it because when I think of my problems, I think of of what's going on. Maybe I've got a financial problem. And instead of commiserating, oh God, I've got this financial problem. What this psalm gives me a model to do is, is we get to say, God, when you get involved in my finances, you just see all the bills paid and you see, you see us investing well. And, and when I trust you with my finances, you see it right. Oh, wow. That's a totally different type of prayer than the ones where we normally go, oh God, I feel so bad about my finances. We could do it with anything. My marriage. God, when you get involved in my marriage, my wife just lives with joy and peace and hope and our conversations are encouraging and there is happiness in our home. (laughs) And, And we take that imagination of what does it look like when God steps in and we state it. And, And here's what happens when the psalmist does it. He says, though an army encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war may rise against me, I'm going to be confident. Okay, what is he doing there? He's continuing the imagination and he's also recognizing that because God is great, it's actually affecting his emotional perspective on the problem and bringing him peace. Sometimes we get caught up in our problems and we're not able to get an emotional perspective that brings us peace. And so what he's done here is he said, the truth is God is is my light. He's going to show me the way through this. And so I don't need to be afraid. And then he's come down and he said, I imagine what it looks like when, when God has entered into my marriage, when God has entered into my finances. And now because I know the truth of God, I can have peace and I can have confidence. And so, you know, sometimes in our prayers, we're afraid to look at our problems because they're too onerous and ominous. But if we recall the majesty of God from last week, we know that God is looking for our praise as a grand nature. God has this. And so we can imagine what it looks like when God said it right. It can happen in our own heads. And we could say, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? And now, God, this is my situation. And this is what it looks like when you're involved. Sometimes that actually might take work, right? The actual processing, imagining the solution that God brings. And that's what, that's what the psalmist did. He actually paused and said, oh, my enemies are going to stumble and fall. Oh, the problem that I have is going to disappear so I can have confidence. It's going to get taken care of by God. And it's not just that. We actually move on. So as the psalmist dreams... You know, in verse 4 and 6, 4 through 6, he asks some questions. What will it be like when my hope, when at the core of my heart, when that gets answered, what will it be like? What will it be like and what will come of the problems when I live with God? So what will it be like? You know, he, he looks at it and goes, I will be in awe of God. I'm I'm going to be able to experience the peace of God that I was just talking about. And I will have space to explore God. What will it be like if, if the problems in your life disappeared and you knew that God answered them? 
Well, of course, you would be in awe of God. One thing I've asked of the Lord, that will I seek, that I could dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. You know, what will come of the troubles, the future troubles that might happen? Well, now I can look at it and I can say, because of the glory and majesty of God, because he is all that, now I can think of these other elements in my life and I can say that I will be hidden from trouble because God is my strong foundation. And we see that. Look at this. Verse 5, for he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent in his protective nature, in his protective place. And I am concealed. And I get this, you know, I I will have a strong foundation. We we see that in, in this, and he lifts me high upon a rock. So what's happening here is is he's using an artistic imagination to say, this is what happens when God answers my prayer. I've taken the truth and I've imagined what my problem is and what it looks like when God answers it. And now I know that I have a secure foundation that regardless of what my problem is, that I can see the way that God can answer it. And I know it's going to be good because God is good. And so I can have that confidence in God. And I can say that he is going to lift me high upon a rock. And we, and we go on and we, and we see the, the crux of the psalmist's cry in verse 7. His heart's cry. What happens? Oh, we, we see the response, sorry. The response of it in verse 6, is now I'm going to be exalted and I will do what I wanted to do. I'm going to sing praises to God. Yeah, the situation around me might have been bad, but God intervened. And now in the midst of a terrible situation, I could sing praise to God and I could be full of joy. And so now verse 7, we get to the crux of the cry. The, the based on this hope, this future look at how God deals with the problem, we've, we've projected the future without seeing anything happen yet. We've just projected the future and we've allowed ourselves to, to come to a place of confidence and now come to a place of celebration because we know that God can actually act and God can intervene. And then we see the, the raw cry of the psalmist's heart. In verse 7, he cries out, Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. Like, that's just beautiful. We know that what he's done is he's just set everything up. He said, this is what I'm asking of God to do. This is what it looks like when God answers. I've seen it. I've I've seen the faithfulness of God. I know the type of God he is. I know what he's capable of. I know that it brings me praise and confidence and all of this great joy. And so now I come to the crux of my heart. Hear me, God, when I cry. The situation that I'm actually in is hard. It threatens me. Hear me when I cry. Answer me when I call you. The psalmist understands that nothing that we're not pulling on God saying, I deserve this. Not in this psalm. In this psalm, we're simply saying, God, just hear me. Please. Just hear me. 
Maybe you've had that moment before where you've just gone, God, just hear me. Please answer. And we just put it out to God. And, you know, it's, it's that hope that comes in God's faithfulness and his graciousness that he has chosen to care for you. Remember Psalm 8 last week? He has chosen to care for you. He chooses to intervene. He, remember Psalm 1, he has planted you as a tree that will bring forth its, forth its fruit in its season. He's not given up on you. Answer me. And we know that the next verse allows us to consider God's command in face of this, which is God's answer is, seek my face. <laughs> God, there is a crisis happening here. I need you to answer me. I need you to hear my cry. And God says, seek my face. I see that you set out what you want me to do. I see that you imagined it. Now I want you to just seek my face. The Lord is my light and my salvation. The attention is now not on the salvation, but on the Lord. And we see, seek my face. I mean, it could feel so trite when the situation's dire. Um, God, real threat is here. This could end me. God's like, just seek my face. Okay. It's not trite though. It's the act of trusting God as supreme majesty, greater than you. It's the recognition that no matter what you try to pull together from all the different wisdoms and informations of the world, what you need is the hope of God. The one we've been meditating on. And so in response to the call, there becomes these set of prayers that the psalmist then throws back to God and says, I hear you. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. I hear you. It's a conversation. The, the prayer, God's answer, the truth that comes through in the prayer, and then the response to God's answer. It's right here in the conversation of prayer. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, I do seek. Hide not your face from me. So what we have is we've got, we've got this sense that God is, is playing a little bit. Like you're like, come on, God. I'm, I'm seeking you. That's why I'm praying. Hello. Hi. I'm praying. You say seek my face. And God's saying, subtly shift from your problem now to me. There's a subtle shift that happens in our prayers when we get down to the heart of the matter, when we're just at the point where we're saying, God, hear my prayer. God's saying, you need to look at me. You need to focus on me, not only on the solution that you contrived. You need to actually just focus on me. And so the psalmist goes, okay, fine. I've got this. But God, it feels like you're hiding. I just feel like I can't find you right now. Why are you hiding from me? Don't hide from me. Oh God, don't turn your servant away in anger. Like, 
Did I do something? Is there something in me? Is there something going on? And now we start to evaluate. He starts to evaluate himself and he starts to go, okay, well, well, is there something in me? Have I, you know, I've been abandoned before, so don't abandon me. You can hear the, the heart and the worry and the, and the concern like, okay, God, now I'm focusing on you, but like, I'm not enough here. I need you. Don't, don't leave me here. I know what it looks like when you answer, but, but nail the heart of it. We, we've, we've gone through the superficial, but now I'm at the heart. Don't, don't abandon me. Oh, man. We think of David who wrote this psalm like, come on, David's the king and he's now concerned, don't, don't abandon me. Well, of course he is. Because God is his only hope. We put faith in things that fail us all the time. And now we're, now we're putting our hope in God and going, God, God, you've got to come through. We are, we are helpless without you coming through. And, and then finally, don't, don't be angry with me. Don't turn your servant away in anger. Like, sometimes we feel our, our actions make our situation our fault. And we don't deserve God's help. Sometimes we feel that guilt and we're like, oh, well, God, I, I see what you could do if you could answer it, but I don't even know if I deserve this. I mean, look at what I contributed to this mess. <sighs> Please don't be angry with me. I still need your help. Man, this hits on so many realities of what it is to be a Christian. This hits on our, like, when we really get to the core of who we are, we look at this and go, God, you're so wonderful, you're so great. And then we get to a point where we look at ourselves because God said, look at me. And we go, oh, shoot, I'm not all that. Oh, shoot. Don't, don't hide from me. I can't find you. I can't see you, God. Man, as a Christian, I've felt that. Oh, shoot. God, don't be angry with me. I know I contributed to this, but please forgive me. I know I don't deserve your actions, but, but God, let your grace work in this situation. And please don't abandon me. Don't leave me here in the presence of my enemy, of my toil, and my struggle, and, and do nothing. God, I need you. The heart cry, hear me when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. And then we say, okay. Whew. Let me learn. I've now presented my hope. I've turned my face towards God and I've seen my inadequacies. So now let me learn. Teach me your way, O Lord. Verse 11, lead me on a level path. Because of my enemies, because of this situation, let me learn in this. Let me, let me see the way through that you would have me walk. I recognize that it might not be the exact same way as what I pictured at the beginning of this prayer, but teach me. And you see the process that this prayer is taking us through? You see this, this like internal conversation that's happening and directed towards God and God is involved in this conversation and you just see this, this whole piece where, where we've been humbled 
And then we get this prayer that says, don't give me up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me. They breathe out violence. The truth is, I, we need the prayer that says, don't let the evil win. After all, the, all of the work, after all of the, this is what God could do. I see it. It's glorious. Now we get to, oh God, I, I'm not good enough for this. I'm not there. I just, okay, just here's the real thing. Don't let the evil win. Don't let it win. Don't let my adversaries have, have victory over me. And the confident hope that comes from this prayer, as I take my situation through this prayer, the hope that comes out is always resolute because I started with it. I started with the truth. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I started with that and then I get to the hope in verse 13. I believe there is something so powerful when you have gone through the core of your, of your being, your heart's cry, you've put that out there, and at the end of it, you've got this desperation, you've got this, oh my gosh, I've just thrown it out to the fates, or, or something like that, and it can feel so like, is this even doing anything? Honestly, it can feel that, but then you come to the end of your prayer, and you go, I believe Here's my foundation. I believe. And watch the transcendent belief statement that happens here. That I will look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Okay, the real threat to David's life is that somebody's coming and will kill him. And he anchors his hope in the eternal. He then puts all of his cry out to God. God, don't let the evil win. I'm doing everything. I understand that I'm, that, that I'm not there yet. I understand that I still have work. Be gracious to me. I picture what you could do, but here's what I believe. That I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And out of that, out of that, gives me the statement, the resolve that I will wait on the Lord. I will be strong and take courage, and I will wait on the Lord. Because I have now taken my situation from my current problem, I've set my eyes on God, the one who transcends, the one who can actually fix this. He is my hope. And regardless of everything else, I know that he wins. I know that evil is removed. I know that, that regardless of my situation, I will see the, the Lord in the land of the living. I will get to dwell in the temple of God. I will sing the praises of God, and it is going to be okay. Man, talk about boosting your prayer life. You start with a general truth. Number two, you imagine what God would do with your problems. What will that be like? What will come of my trouble? What will my response to God be? You cry out to God with the raw hope and the raw emotion about the entire thing. And you consider what benefits seeking God 
has. You remember that God is present with you, that you can learn the ways of God, that we have been forgiven of our wrongs, and he will not allow evil to win. And you end your prayer in a confident, eternal hope. When we can start to pray like this, when we can answer these questions in our prayers, our prayers lose the superficiality, lose this tossing it out to the fates idea. And they secure us and give us strength for today that we could walk through knowing that God is truly with us and he truly is making all things right. The hope we find as we study the Psalms is so powerful. My prayer is that maybe you take a screenshot or you take notes of that, of that screen that just came up about starting with the general truth, about boosting your prayer life. And my prayer is that you practice it. Try it. Think of a situation where, where something has happened that you're in. Pour your heart out to God. Allow him to see the core and allow your prayer life to move from being where it is to starting to express something closer to your heart. And you will find so much hope. It's important that we end in that confident hope. We can't just leave the I believe statement out. We can, we can get lost in all of the, you know, reorganizing all of the mess. But what we really need is write down in a journal. At the end of all that, you write down in a journal, I believe, colon, dot underneath, this is true. This is true. This is true. And when we get to that place, now we found hope in God through the book of Psalms. God, we thank you that you do work. We thank you that you do work. And it's a work that we can't do. When the floods come, when the, when the crises come, when, when the things happen that aren't supposed to happen, we can imagine the great solution that you could bring, but in the end, we know the grand solution that you bring eternally. And we hitch our hope in you. We place all of our trust in you. And we follow as best we can, even when it doesn't make sense. We move forward knowing that you are there. For all of us who are carrying something, some form of crisis, some form of situation, God, I pray that we would be able to practice something like this. And Holy Spirit, I pray that your truths would come through in the prayers that are offered to you. And that our eyes would be illuminated because you are our light and our salvation. That our eyes would be illuminated. God, I pray for a greater connection with the hope that we have in you for our congregation. In Jesus' name, amen.